understand. We've done this before. Just let me know who. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, you know. And he said, it's you. And I was like shocked because, you know, me, you know, you me, it wasn't even nobody in my it was me and some other folks, but we got let go. And it was, it was riding home that evening. And here's why I say being involved and I say that success is a team sport. If you're taking notes and you're out there watching right now, just jot that down in your notes, you know, success is a team sport. It's in 30 minute hour. Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the personal development podcast for the seven-figure entrepreneur who's looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner who's conducted over 28,000 coaching sessions. Also joining me, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday. It's good to be here. It's good to be here on Monday. It is great to be here on another Monday. Uh, today we're talking about the seven-figure secret to achieving exponential growth. Right? I was thinking about this, Ted, right? So you have something that's called linear growth, right? So, so growth, it's almost, it's gradual, right? You're making progress, but that's like, one plus one equals two, right? That's linear growth. But, but then you have exponential growth. Exponential growth is that game-changing breakthrough level of growth. That's like one plus one equals a thousand. You know, that, that's when your trajectory has changed. So, so our guest today, he's helped thousands of entrepreneurs achieve this exponential growth. He's going to tell us how he did it and how our, our listeners, our seven-figure entrepreneurs and our aspiring entrepreneurs, how they can do the exact same thing. Uh, but, but before we go there, please, and I don't think I, I properly updated our guest, but this is not your everyday podcast. Now we do it a little different here. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah, Shay and I were talking backstage. I didn't even tell him that, but I have a feeling that he'll he'll fit right in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this flow. So, all right. Well, good stuff. Uh, and by the way, I know you many of you are watching us live on Facebook. You can also watch us live on LinkedIn and YouTube. And don't forget, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those places. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss another episode. But today we're going to talk again about the seven-figure secret to achieving exponential growth. Our guest, again, he's already helped thousands of entrepreneurs to achieve this level of growth. He's the CEO of Easy Sales Hub, and scales and they scale businesses to six and seven figures. He was named one of the top 15 entrepreneurs to keep an eye out for across North America in 2021 by USA Today News. If that wasn't enough, he's the executive producer of the Making of an Entrepreneur docuseries. He's the host of the number one business development and late night show in the country, the Happy Entrepreneur Show, and he's the founder of Comeback Champion. Please join me in welcoming 
to the 30 minute hour, Shay Brown. <laughs> I love it, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> you and Ted are doing some amazing things, Eric. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to be here to speak to your audience. Thanks for all that you do, man. Bringing having the show one, bringing the resources two, and third, where your heart is a heart to give and a heart to serve. So I'm excited to be here, man. Can't wait to, to share with the audience whatever it is we decide to talk about today, man. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of this is going to be one of those shows that could be like three hours. I'm, I'm gonna have to be careful, Shay. I, I know you got stuff to do, so I'm gonna try. To, I like, try to I like, I like Shay, but I ain't gonna be here no three hours. <laughs> I know that. I mean, right. that's my good frat brother and everything, man. We got to break this thing up into three three pieces, and we're gonna do three hours. Right. right. <laughs> For no, sure. we'll, we'll we'll keep this under control here. So I, I do, Shay. I do want to give people kind of the backstory. Sure. Uh, I'm just curious, like like when you were an undergraduate at Morgan State, like what was the vision that you had for your career at that time? Sure. So, you know, Morgan State University, I think one of the greatest HBCUs on the planet. We can argue about that later. Y'all can argue about it, fight about it, talk about it and all that other stuff later in the building. But shout out to all the Morgan State Bears and all the HBCUs. I know we're all in this together. I get it. But when I was at Morgan State University, I didn't have a clue, an idea, no wanting to be no freaking entrepreneur. It wasn't even on my horizon. Um, and the reason for that is two reasons. Number one, I was happy just to be in college because, um, you know, I, when I came out of high school, I was probably voted most likely to fail. I was a guy that was always cutting class. Um, mm. And before I got to Morgan, a little bit about the backstory, I don't know if you know this, Eric and Ted, but before I went to Morgan State, I had the pleasure of going to UDC, which is the University of District of Columbia in DC, because I didn't have the grades and I didn't have the SAT scores. So I spent two years just getting ready uh, to be able to go to a four-year university because I just wasn't ready. I mean, my head wasn't where it should be and so forth. And my family was disappointed and, and all that good stuff right away. So just to get into college and then get on that track was just a huge deal for us. But to answer your question directly, and if you think back where you were, uh, when you were 18 years old, 19 years old, where your head was, maybe you knew exactly what you're going to do. You were blessed. You knew your purpose, you knew your mission, and hopefully you're walking in that. I didn't. I'd bought into just getting a good corporate job and having a career, getting a nice wife and a home and enough money just to take a vacation once a year. Because for many years, my family and I, we couldn't afford to take vacations. My dad was always traveling. He was into politics. Uh, my mom and dad weren't together, and my mom uh, worked full-time job. So the money wasn't there. So my vision for myself, I'll come back up to you now, Ted, my vision to myself back then was, Shay, just get through, just get yourself a degree. I'd be the first in my family to have a degree uh, with my mom and my dad. And so if I can do that and then get a job, life was going to be good. Mm. Now, that's interesting. And yeah, I, I would have never known that you had this, the struggles with grades and things like that. I mean, I think it's just proof. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And certainly yeah. that's inspirational to somebody that's watching this right now who may be going through a struggle. It's, it's how you start. It's how you finish. Fortunately, I was blessed when I got to Morgan State University in one minute. You know, I met some really good folks. And, you know, I know we joked about fraternities and so forth, but I was introduced to Kappa Alpha Psi there. I didn't come to Morgan State saying I want to be a Kappa man. I just I didn't. Um, it just happened to met the student of affairs who let me in the UDC, who was a Kappa man and said, I'm going to give you a chance. 
and I want you to make sure you pay it back. That was at UDC. When I got to Morgan, he called his frat brother up at Morgan, who had to be a captain, and nothing against all the other fraternities. I'm not saying that. But he made a call. I walked into Morgan without freaking applying for to get in. I know, I know, I know. Don't judge me. Please don't judge me out there. And then I got a job working inside of the IT department because of another capper who I didn't, I wasn't a capper man, but nobody in my family was, but they were just trying to help someone out. And I got there and I said, you know, for the first time, and I went to church and all that good stuff, topic for another time. My mom was a bishop back in the seventies. Everything I learned, learned at Pentecostal church. So I get it. But I had a support that was there that I felt like I couldn't let down. And it was there for the first time I was able to get the grades and then from getting the grades and then pledging and so forth, it, it allowed me to, to say, okay, there's some things I can do, some things that I see. And I might have seen through my lifetime, but I'm here with people who are like me and they're doing the doggone thing. And I've got to get to that level and stay at that level because for the first time ever, and it wasn't about because I got the Greek letters and all that. It was like, nah, I belong. Like, I can do this. And from there, you know, I, I never look back. Mm-hmm. And, and I just... Ted looks like he has a couple of comments when you started mentioning. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't. I was trying to unmute myself, but I think Eric, you may have somehow controlled the mute button because I was just like it wouldn't go. But I heard Cap Alpha sign at that time. It just I was just like, wow. I mean, that's you know, Capitals. They're just doing some amazing things out there. So just to see that there was some, you know, that foundation of of Cap Alpha side kind of helped get you get you on track. I had some of that some some similar experiences, but that's another another time but just just wanted to take a moment because eric tends to want to rush through when it's the cap stuff but let it be the omega let it be someone that's here that's at one point yeah i thought it was the, the 30 minute omega hour because it was omega every week every week every week but then when it's the cap and then we got to rush through and we're not here to talk about that so i just wanted to just put a pin right there just for a minute so you know please please um, that's amazing amazing information Hey, look, I'm I'm taking the high road this week, right? It's <laughs> both these organizations were started in 1911. We, we can go there, right? We can go we, there. We That's agree. right. That's good. There you go. Hey. <laughs> oh man, now good stuff though. Good stuff. Now I'm I'm just curious, Shay, though, if you if you could go back in time and be a mentor to your undergraduate self, like what what advice would you give your younger self, knowing what you know now? Sure. There's I sum it up in in one word. Um, because going back to my younger self, there are some things I did really, really well and some things I didn't do really, really, really well. And the number one thing that I would do, the one word that I would have would just be action. And I would take action faster. Um, there, there was times, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I was over, when I first came out of undergrad, um, they came back and recruited us to Citibank. So, you know, I was a hot shot at the time, you know, blessed and so forth and president of my class, and a lot of cool things that had happened to me while I was at Morgan State University. But it's not about me, it's all about all y'all who are watching, right? So I got recruited to go to Citibank, which at the time was a big deal, right? I mean, this management associate program, there was no one that looked like me in the program. And while I was there, I had an opportunity to partner with another friend of mine who decided to be an entrepreneur. And he had this brilliant idea of helping people get into college, right? And he didn't go off to make millions of dollars, but I was like, no, 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 I, I got to just focus on this. And then I had another opportunity for another gentleman that was getting into a trucking company. And this was, oh gosh, that was so many years ago, 35 years ago now, it came out in 91. Um, you can do the math. And I didn't do it. 
And so what I would tell my younger self is it's okay to take massive action. And if things don't go right, to self-correct mm. instead of just trying to play the safe card. And I play and the safe card for a lot of reasons. Lot of reasons. Um, uh, number one uh, reason is when I came uh, out of undergraduate, I had two children, right? I had my son, uh, Che Jr., who's now, he's a Kappa man, by the way. Of course, there's only one fraternity that he would possibly pledge. I mean, I don't want to belabor that, but but he did. He is a Kappa man. Um, but I had my son, so that was a responsibility. I got married uh, while I was in college. I, again, don't judge me. I know your audience might be judging me, but don't just don't judge me, right? So I got married. We did get divorced. I'm divorced two times. But don't worry, I'm happy. I'm on my third marriage. Don't cry for me right now. I'm very, very happy. I've been together 14 years. But at that time, that, that bonus marriage, I'll call it that, I got married and I had another child. So now I got a child here, child there. I'm 21 years old, 21, 22 years old, and I played it too safe. And if I was looking back on my 21-year-old self, I would say two things. Take action. Just, just when you're all in, push the chips all in. Now, I'm not saying be risky. I'm not saying, but I was overly conservative. You might say, why were you overly conservative? Well, two reasons. I'll give you one reason. Two reasons. First, my dad was the direct opposite. So I got to see someone was just in politics and he was just out there. Mom, who I take after, she worked for uh, 37 years now for the federal government. Same job, Department of Commerce, same building. 37 years, retired at 55 years old. Today, she's 75 years old. I had the opportunity to take care of her. I'm a primary caregiver. God's blessed me. She has Parkinson's. We just moved her into a senior facility. So she has all the care she needs around the clock. But my point is, I would tell my 21-year-old self back then, just go for it. Don't be like mom. Mom was like, oh, government worker. Send the kids to college. Now she has a pension. She was more on get that pension, get the insurance. And it it paid off for mother dear, but I think she'd be so much further along and she'd be okay with me saying this publicly if she had just took the leap as well. You know what I mean? I said go full into entrepreneurship, but she could have been, and I'll use this term and I'm coming back to you, Eric, so I don't be too long-winded, but could have been a nine to five millionaire, right? Mm. It's nothing wrong with having a nine to five job. So I don't want to downplay anyone and make you feel like, oh, you're crap because they used to make me feel like you're working jobs, you're working jobs. No, if you want to be a nine to five millionaire, that's cool. You can go to work every day. And you can have a business. Nothing wrong with that. And that's what I would tell myself. And I tell my son that, who's now doing that. My other son is doing that. My, look, go to work. That's cool. Learn on their dime. I was at Citibank. I probably lost millions of dollars, some amazing mistakes I was making, but I learned. Then I worked, then I worked for MCI and in and, and and that time. I was in finance, and I learned, made lots of mistakes. So I learned on someone else's dime. But I would have been a nine-to-five millionaire at the same time. Does that make sense? So I would have been an entrepreneur. We call them dualpreneurs today. So for all yeah. my dualpreneurs, shout out to you, by the way. Y'all y'all are rocking. Y'all work full-time. Y'all are full-time entrepreneurs in the evening. You take care of your families. You take care of your community. You're just, you're just incredible. But you can be a full-time entrepreneur if you want as well. So that's what I would tell myself. Take action and go for it. Be a nine-to-five millionaire. Start well, that, that's a great answer. You know, it's funny. I, I saw a, um, it was an interview with Kobe Bryant. And they asked him, he said, you know, look, Michael Jordan had six championships. You had five championships. Do you regret that you didn't surpass Michael Jordan? And he said, no. You know why? Because I know during my career, I did everything humanly possible. So I have no regrets. I can enjoy my retirement because I know I did everything I possibly could. I left that out there on the court. And I think that's that's that regret thing is key. And I think if you really think of it in that way, it'll help you to take action because you don't want to look back. 
when you're older and say, you know what, I could have done more. I could have take action, took a, taken action. I could have taken more risks. And, and the reality is, I would still be in my nine to five job right now. Yeah. I was cool. Life was cool, man. I was working at MCI, which became WorldCom. I had stock options. I risen up uh. to a director. Young man at 30. I mean, life was good until I got laid off. Until they yeah. walked me into the office in one minute and they sit down and says, uh, Chad got some news. I said, no problem. We're laying off some folks. You know, I was I was a young whippersnapper then. So I, I wouldn't let people finish their sentences. I was really bad back then. And I was like, no problem. I get it. We got to leave some people off. Understand. We've done this before. Just let me know who um, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, and he said, it's you. And I was like shocked because, you know, me, you know, me, it wasn't even anybody, it was me and some other folks, but we got let go. And it was, it was riding home that evening. And here's why I say being involved. And I say that success is a team sport. If you're taking notes and you're out there watching right now, just jot that down your notes, you know, success is a team sport. You can only get so far by yourself. I'm riding home, no clue being an entrepreneur. The only thing I did is I was talking to one of my homies who had their own company. And I decided, you know what? If this guy can have his own company, good friend, we're still friends, I'm gonna call him, then I know I can do it. I mean, you know, I just, that type of guy. Like, and, and, and I had a year severance, had 401k, had money. So I'm like, we're gonna just try it. And to start off as a try. And uh, here we are. We're in our 19th year. That was May 31st, 2004. Uh, so we're in our 19th year now, going into our 20th year. Uh, full-time, all the time. Didn't say it was easy. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, young man, take action. Go for it. You know, you know, that's, you know, that's interesting, Eric. You know, I just, that kind of chase story made me think about, you know, when I was working in the government, you know, I went from summer hire to intern to being hired and had a great government job doing my major IT and was installing computer networks all around the country. I was flying. I mean, I was having a ball. It was a great gig. And then, you know, I remember going out and it would be teams of, you know, people, contractors that I would manage. And I remember like we'd be at certain sites and I'd be like, man, like, what are y'all doing? Like, give me that keyboard. Give me like, y'all don't have me here all night. Give me the keyboard. Like, I'm in there and I'm fixing stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I remember looking at the rates and looking at what they were getting paid. I'm like, I need some of that. <laughs> I need some of that. And so I started a company kind of part-time with some folks and doing evening weekend stuff. And, you know, while still kind of doing, doing the full gig during the day. And my grandmother, you know, was living and she said, she would be like, yeah, whatever you do. Just keep that government job. Don't, you know, don't let the job go. Doing both, doing both. I'm like, okay, Grandma, okay. Yeah, how's everything going? Oh, just all right, all right. Just keep that government job. And then when I finally, when I left the government job and the business had picked up to a certain level, and then I was like, I didn't want to tell her. Right? She was like, so how's work? How's work? You know? And then one day I said, you know, I, I, uh, I you know, I, you know, I quit like, like six months ago, like I'm doing this full time now. She was just like, "Oh, okay, all right, we'll just, you know, keep you know, keep the Lord, and you know, and uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, you know." And it's, then again, it went from the conversations to keep your government job. You get any new business? Like, you know, how, you know, how's it going? You know, and just, you know, had to make the had to make the 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 jump. And and like you said, Chase, I'm not gonna say it's been easy, right? But it's like you know. I mean, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, no, that's great. So, so Shay, people look at you and say, "Man, this." I want to be like Shay. All look, look at all the success he's had. I mean, he's got these thousands of people, the entrepreneurs he's coached. He's successful on all these platforms. He's been a great speaker. And they would think oh, it's all been sunshine and rainbows the whole time. I know you started to talk about um, some of the adversity, but can you share some other low points and struggles you've had that have kind of made you who you are? Sure, absolutely. So there I was in the third grade in Dale City, Virginia, in Ms. Kurtz's class, by the way. And in the third grade, you know, you get a chance to read something, then you bring people to the front of the room. So I'd, we read, and then she said, who's going to come to the front of the room? When she called my name to go to the front of the room, which I never raised my hand, by the way, um, to go to the front of the room, everyone started laughing. And the reason they started laughing is that every time I came to the front of the room and every time I had to speak in front of folks, I always stutter. Like I, mean, I could see the words, I could hear the words in my brain, mm. but when I talked, it was like, ah, da, 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 da. I just could never get it out. And they would just start busting out laughing. And it didn't bother me because it had been happening since the second grade. But on this particular day, Ms. Kurtz takes me down to the principal's office, calls in Mother Dear. Mother Dear comes in. They have this conference while I'm right there. They determine that I have a severe stuttering problem. And they're going to put me into the special ed class. Now, today, I don't know what they call it today. I know they have fancy names. But back then, you did not want to be in the special ed class, right? You just didn't want to be in that class. But I was put in that class. So we go home that evening. Mother there, who was a bishop of the church. I don't know if I told you my mom was a bishop of a church when it wasn't popular being a bishop back in the 70s, right? We only had 35 members in our church, 25 kids. I was one of the kids. That just means I got into a lot of trouble. But I did learn a lot. Everything I learned, I learned in Pentecostal church. So mother's looking at me. She says, don't worry you don't have a severe stuttering problem. Now I'm thinking to myself, nine years old, I think by then eight or nine years old, and I'm thinking, no, <laughs> this is not normal. You know, you know, you don't get sent to the principal's office, you don't get sent home, and now I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm not gonna call it that, the special ed class. Y'all can call it what you want. And she said, you just think faster than everyone else. And so you're, you just can't get it out. Your mouth is not catching up how fast your brain is going. You're smart, you're okay. And I bought into that. And I believe that with all my heart until I got to high school. I found out Mother Dear lied to me, by the way. She lied to me. So, Shay, what's the point? And I still have a stuttering problem. I still talk fast because of that. But what's the point? What's the point of that low part that I look back on now? And if you're taking those, you can put this down in your notes, is that sometimes you need someone to believe in you before you can believe in yourself, mm -hmm. right? And that was just one low point with Mother Dear where she was believing in me that I would get better over time. And as a result, I continue to do things that I might not have done if I hadn't had that belief system enrolled in me. Now, fast forward, fast forward. That was in the third grade, and it's not about Mother Dear, but fast forward, by the way, when I, when I had lost everything, right? So I was an entrepreneur, said I got started. What I didn't share when I got started is that I got home, had some business cards made up, hung my shingle out the door, and called myself Coach Shea. That was cool. Just like you said, everybody was like, yeah, entrepreneur. Yes, yes, I've done my own guy now. I thought someone would hire me because I had a, I went to Morgan State for undergraduate. I went to Johns Hopkins for graduate school, had the corporate experience. This will be an easy peasy, breezy ride because, you know, everyone needed, you know, some consulting. And I call myself Coach Shea because I didn't know what to call myself, right? But then after 90 days in business, I was tired. I was struggling. I was out of money. And the point I'm trying to tell you when you fast forward like that, when that happens, my second marriage crumbled all the way down. Now, I'm not saying it crumbled because I was out of money. 
did a lot of things I shouldn't have done, take back a lot of things I did when I was young. Maybe you were perfect, but I was not. But when you take what was going on plus crush money on top of it, it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And she decided it's not the life she wanted to live. So, but here's the problem. My two sons decide they want to live with me. Then that's not normally how things work, right? Normally they go live with their moms. Everything is cool. No, no. They come and live with dad. So now I'm an entrepreneur. I'm broke. I'm burning through my 401k. Again, don't judge me, please. I know some of you would never do that under any circumstances, but I was betting on myself. I was double down betting on myself and I was losing big time. Maybe that's never happened to you, right? So then here's the breaking point. I'm upstairs. I'm working. There's a knock at the door. My son's come running upstairs. Dad, dad, someone's still in the car. So I run down the steps. I look out the window and there's my Lexus truck. I love that white pearl truck, by the way. It's being holstered up by the tow man. That's not the first time he's been to my house, by the way. It's not the first time. But in that moment, I looked over at my sons and I said, don't worry. The car is just going to the garage. I lied. And it was in that moment that I felt as a failure as a husband because I failed. I'm going through a divorce. I felt as a failure as a father because here I am lying to my sons. I was definitely a darn sure failure as an entrepreneur and a failure with my finances. And I had what I call the never again moment. Now, it's not about, it is about me, but you look at yourself right now. And maybe through your journey somewhere, you had that never again moment where you told yourself never again would I find myself in this relationship or never again when I find myself borrowing money from family members that I couldn't pay back on or never again when I lie. In my case, the water had been cut off and my sons were going, and I were going to the gym. Don't judge me though. And we would shower at the gym because I had no water at home. Right. And here's what I learned in that moment. And here's what I want you to hear. And this was a defining moment for me is that I started thinking of all the negative things, right? I'm a failure. I could go get a job. And I started thinking about, in that moment, who didn't I want not to be? I didn't want to be the person that quit. I didn't want to be the person that gave up. I didn't want to be the person that started something and just felt like I was this close and not keep going. I wanted to be the person that gave it one more shot. And so I went to my brother, and this is a, a true story. I go to my brother and I say, hey, I'd like to borrow $5,000 to go meet this guy by the name of Eric Lofton. He was in California. Now, back then, we didn't have the internet like we had right now. We had email, and I got emails saying he's going to teach you how to do business and sales. Here's the point I want to make, and I'm coming back to you, Eric. And he lent me $5,000. He thought it was never get rich scheme, you know, how that goes. He's going off to another one of these woo-woo people. I took that $5,000. Now, I could do a lot with $5,000. Like the $5,000 back then, 20 years ago, was a heck of a freaking lot of money. Ain't a lot of money now. Well, I guess it is, but it's not. Trust me. It's not I was, a lot gonna, I was gonna I was gonna say can I borrow it if it ain't a lot? <laughs> if it ain't a it's lot, go on, go on cash app cash at me, not a lot a month. Year you're watching this is a lot of money. <laughs> but I borrowed that five grand, which I did not pay my brother back. With don't judge me again, don't judge me. <laughs> Went out to um Rockland, California with Eric Lofton and he said this to me. And this is where I'm getting to you, Eric. This is the point. It was, a, it was a low point. I'm feeling bad. And he says, Shay, you should focus on sales. So I'm not a sales guy. Business consultant. Don't you see this card? The reality was no one was hiring me to be a business consultant. He said, but if you can learn this one skill. Now, Eric Lofton was a number one sales guy for Tony Robbins. He started his own sales company. And, and it's only me. And it was probably a room full of folks. Only four of us there, by the way. 
And he said, but if you can learn how to serve through selling, mm. that's the key. Now, I never heard selling equals service. And all of my life, all of my life, I never heard selling equals service. And it clicked to me. And I said, well, I can give it one more shot. And so I, under his tutelage for about three or four years, $100,000 later, stuff ain't free, ladies and gentlemen. It just ain't freaking free. Um, I learned a skill set that I could now transfer to other folks that allow me to stay in business. So what's my point to you? My point to you is whatever your never again moment was, look back and then make a decision. After you make a decision, take action, which I told my 21-year-old self. And the last part I would tell you, and this is the one word I want to leave you with as well, is consistent. Consistency is the key. Consistency is the key. Consistency is the key. Having said that, what do most people struggle with? They struggle with consistency. You can look across your life. We're talking about sales now. We're talking about business. But you can apply it to your health. You can apply it to your nutrition plan. You can apply it to your finances. So that was a low moment for me um, going through that. But what I learned through that that I will share for you is success is a team sport. If it wasn't for Eric, if it wasn't for my brother, if it wasn't for other encouragement that I had around me, as you said, in the community, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So now it's my turn to pay it forward. That's great. Thank you for being transparent with, yeah. with your story. And I'm just curious, like, so, like, how long would you say it took you from the time that you kind of had that never again moment to the point where you felt like you were in a good place? Yeah, it wasn't moving as fast as it is now. It took took about, for me, about two and a half years. I mean, I could make enough money to pay my mortgage and my, my rent and stuff like that. My mortgage, I didn't have rent, mortgage. I could pick, take, take, make enough money to do that, but that was barely enough. So it was like, it'd be some ups and some downs, some ups and downs. My gig back then was go speak to sales teams for free and then offer them a ticket to come to an event for $2.99. You might know as the Brian Tracy model back in the 100, 100 years ago for those folks that were around back then. And we would go to B&I meetings, invite people to these hotels. And in hotels, we would do it for free and then offer them a product. And so that was my gig. So sometimes life was good. We sold a $2.99 product. My goal was to sell three of those a day. Sometimes I sold three of those a day. Sometimes I did it for a week. Sometimes I got zero. But um, about two years before, I, I would say I got what I call the tipping point. And that was the point where I built up, a, and it wasn't called a community back then. Back then, we, we were doing conference calls. Jesus Christ, that was a long time ago. We were doing conference calls, DNI meetings. Um, but it was through, I want to call it the hustle. I want to call it the grind. I want to call it the consistency. It was through that uh, that the breakthrough finally took place. And I stopped trying to sell, and I focused on how do I solve a problem for folks. Mm. That changed everything. I used to be at Starbucks back in the day. It was a big thing. And I would go do free seminars. I was just teaching what I read. I, I didn't start off being no freaking speaker. I'm not a speaker. I'm not an NSA speaker. I ain't none of that stuff. I'm just Shea Brown. Hopefully today, I'm just your friend here. I'm just your friend hanging out with you. But I was just like that same guy at a table. And there'd be three or four of us. And I'd be saying, well, I learned how to do appointments. And this is how they do appointments. And this is what I was telling the team. And I was just teaching what I know. I think that's another level of learning and another level of mastery. You know, and I know it's been said before, it's not a new idea, but I think first you learn something, then once you learn it, you do it. Then once you do it, you teach it. And when you teach it, you see it through a different lens. There's a different distinction. And the distinction is understanding of common knowledge, by the way, as understanding surpasses common knowledge. And that's the distinction that I started getting. All right. We are here with Shay Brown, and he is telling us his inspirational story of how he got to, to where he is today. 
Uh, and you mentioned earlier something that's just is stuck in my head, this idea that success is a, a team sport. I agree 100%. Um, so you created this seven-figure sales team concept. Tell us about that. How does that work? Yeah, so the, the number one challenge facing entrepreneurs today is just not having enough cash flow in the business to purchase all the resources they need that's necessary to execute the big vision they have for the people they were called to serve. And this whole notion of a seven-figure sales team wasn't something because I sat around one day and there was some marketing plan and I love all the branding and marketing folks and you need, you need all of that. It wasn't any of that. What it came from is I was, I was on the phone talking and back then, I mean, that's what we did. We ran appointments. I mean, it wasn't like it is now where you can get on broadcasting like that. It was one-to-one, -one, get them on a conference call, you know, maybe send them a webinar. But back then, they didn't even want to sit around and watch that all day. It was, it was a totally different world back then. But, and they would say, hey, that sounds good, Shay. I'm already good at sales. I'm doing okay. How much is it for you to do it for me? Not like me. I'm not in that business. How much is I'm trying to bring a team on. So there was two types of entrepreneurs that I was, I was coming across. First entrepreneur was the person that was what I would call a true entrepreneur. They, someone who got started, they're doing everything themselves, they're getting going, they want to sharpen their skills. And that's important because I believe as an entrepreneur, you will always be the number one salesperson for your company. Yep. At least I believe that for most of you. If you're not, that's another, that's a bigger problem, right? But for most folks, I mean, because they can convey their vision and all that stuff. Um, and that was one group. So that was cool. But there was another group that I was coming across that they were building teams. Now, I didn't know that when I was talking to them. I'm like, well, how much does it get you on my team? How much is it to hire you? So they were looking to hire people. Everyone jot this down in your notes. The answer to who don't always have to be you. Put that in your notes. The answer to who don't have to be you. So there was one group of folks over here that they weren't better than these folks. They weren't smarter than these folks, but they were already thinking, how much is it to bring you on if you're going to bring in money for my company? So when I'm doing something, everything don't stop. And I didn't have an answer. Like, I didn't know where to send them. Like, okay, I didn't know where to send them. Maybe 10 years ago, you, they came along, you might be trying to outsource stuff overseas and hopefully they could sell for you. And that was just 10 years ago. But back then when I first started, it, that didn't exist. It, it, it was an option. And I said, hmm. Now, jot this in your notes. This is very important. It's a teachable moment. People will pay you today if you help them solve a problem today. We're all in the problem-solving business. So there was a problem with entrepreneurs. They were like, well, how do I bring in more cash flow without my labor being involved? And the biggest challenge was, well, if I bring on someone, I can't afford them. So I said, well, wait a minute. And I'm going to give you the five components in less than one minute here. But I, I said, wait a minute. What do you mean you can't afford them? That doesn't make sense to me. Until, mathematically, that does not make sense. So it, it, here's why I say that. Imagine you're an entrepreneur. You're listening right now. You could be a CEO. That's really our target CEOs because they're trying to build teams. But let's say you're an entrepreneur. God bless you. You're passionpreneur, impactpreneur, whatever freaking preneur you want to be these days, you're that preneur. Um, and you say you can't afford it. Well, let's say this. Let's say you bring in $20,000 of revenue just based on you because you're that bad to the bone person. That's fine. You can make a quarter million dollars probably by yourself. Um, and let's say you hired a sales rep. You only pay them a commission. So they work 100% for free. They only get paid on commissions. And you bring in $20,000 one month and they bring in $20,000 one month. Now, Let's say you agree to give them 20%. I'm making that number up to make math easy right now. 20%. So 20% of um, $20,000 is to $4,000, right? So you're giving them $4,000 of money you did nothing for other than train them, hopefully. You might even have to do that, really, to be honest with you. 
And now you got $16,000 extra that came in. So it seems to me, and I'm biased, because I believe that selling is the oxygen. Y'all can jot this down in your notes if you're out there taking notes. Selling is the oxygen to any great business in history. And if y'all want to write that down, you can, because, you know, this is a 30-minute hour, which is kind of cool, right? And you understand that sales will solve any business freaking problem you have. You close your eyes right now if I said that, and I said, you think about what problem you have in business right now that money can solve, and sales is the answer. So you don't have a money problem, you got a sales problem, always in the business. Always. It's business only about two things. It's about sales, right? At the end of the day, it's about sales, it's about money, because that's the oxygen. It's about innovation. How are you going to solve the problem? Put those two together, and you can pay all other freaking folks to come around. I'm a little biased. Call me biased. Call me biased. But they don't bring the money in. Right? They really don't. So that's how the idea was bought, uh, uh, Ted and Eric. It wasn't a Shea idea. They were asking me, and I didn't have an answer. So I said, well, what if we had a seven-figure sales team? What would that look like? And most folks, like myself, I couldn't describe it. So I said, well, I sat down, and we played around with some ideas, and I talked to folks like you guys and other brilliant minds, way more brilliant than Shea Brown. And we came up with the idea and said, well, there's really five components to a seven-figure sales team. You can have one sales rep or two sales rep. They can bring in the money by themselves, depending on if you're doing contracts and what industry you're in and all that stuff. But what if we had five components? What if we say you need a sales rep in one minute, and they work on 100% commissions? You got to pay them. How are you going to pay your assistant and not have a sales rep? That don't make sense to me. Maybe to you, not to me. Number two, you could have a sales affiliate. Sales affiliate means that someone like Apple, I'll say, they're out there, they understand one of your products, and they're bringing in traffic to you, and you're paying them a percentage. You go into the Apple store, I believe God is a woman, and I believe she has an iPhone. Nothing personal to all my Android friends, okay? Okay, I'm just telling you. And, and you go into Apple, and Apple only makes 30% of the products inside of Apple. You have a 70%? I got an Apple phone. I didn't, they, didn't, they didn't make this case, shorty. They didn't make this plastic on here. So what about your business? Who can you partner with? And then third, 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 you got sales rep. You got sales and affiliates. They're mercenaries. They're in it for the money. They bring people to you because you pay them and you solve a problem. They don't have to be there. Number three, this is very important, is you need maybe sales ambassadors. These are people, they're not in it for the money. They believe in your mission. They believe in your goals. They believe in the objectives. They believe why your freaking company exists. And they're at the table to help you achieve the main mission of the company. And they only want rewards and recognition. Take them to dinner. Reward them. Give them an Apple Watch, iPad, whatever it is you want to do. And then the fourth component, which we won't have time to get into, is really the online digital, we call it a digital sales solution. That's how much revenue is coming in online without your labor ever, 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 never, ever, ever being involved. If the answer right now is zero or not enough to any of these four components, then you should really rework your strategic plan. Get with Ted. I'm sure he's going to put on it somewhere. Sales, got to have revenue somewhere in there. And then number five is you need a, we call it a sales cheerleader. Now we're switching that over to the AI solution because uh, that's just where the world is. Um, if that's not part of your sales team, then that's another problem. So we're in the problem-solving business. And so the answer to your question, how do we come up with a seven-figure sales team? Because entrepreneurs, CEOs, founders, owners, small business owners, whatever you want to call them these days, they need cash flow. And if there's not sales coming in, there's always more money going out if there's no money coming in. That's, that's how it was created, just to solve a problem. Okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly, we're talking about the five components. You get sales rep. You need that affiliate. You need that sales ambassador. You need the online digital sales solution. And then you need the sales cheerleader. Yeah. Yeah. And the sales cheerleader 
is really how you're taking video from folks who've already used the services and using that strategically inside of your sales funnels. Or you can, you, if you still want someone to send you a letter, you know, that's fine. I don't know if people freaking send letters anymore. That's why you have a phone. But some people still like people to write something and send them something. I don't know why. You would just transcribe what they say. But anyway, mm-hmm. yes, how are you using? We know nothing sells like success. Facts tell, stories sell. And I can tell many stories on here, but this is, I know you want me to talk about me. But, but yes, we're changing that sales cheerleader now. And we're calling the AI solution um, mm-hmm. because artificial intelligence is here. It's not going anywhere. It's getting better and better. If the military freaking use it for 20 years and it finally reached us, okay, hello, come on. Hello, hello, hello. Why wouldn't it be part of our sales plan? Now, now, marketing's job is go get the freaking, marketing's job is to find people with the problem. And they don't do their job. They send us in as a special forces. We got to go anyway. But, you know, marketing, hope you got some cool marketing. Maybe you're attracting the right people to you. If not, no worries. No worries. Um, you know, sales has to go prospect is what we do when there's no leads in the house. So, you know, you get a two for one. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. But sales pays for marketing. Sales drives the problem. Marketing, go find the people with the problem. That's the Shea Brown remix version. I'm part of the Puff Daddy generation. I got my AARP card. So I got remix versions on everything. So you don't have to agree with me. But this is my view of the world because Ted and Eric have given me the mic. So I'm just letting you know what, so you don't get confused. Sales pays for marketing. You want to run ads? Marketing needs some freaking money. You want them to go do a new website? Well, marketing needs some freaking money. You want them, you want them to do anything and they're gonna say, ching ching, can you give us some money? And you know, then you gotta look at sales and say, well, is there any money in the house? And if not, it's okay. It's just on you. And if you're out there, just not a beat me obsession. If you're the salesperson, the marketing person, the branding person, the tech person, the copywriter, it's okay. I've done all those parts and I know what it's like. It's okay. But if you have to get focused, and jot this in your notes is my one of my top 12 rules for life. But one of them is systems be goals every single time. Systems be goals every single time. Systems be goals because systems are duplicatable, systems are repeatable, and systems are something that you can hand off to someone else. And the number one system I look for is what system brings in the money. Now, you, you, can, you can borrow money. I don't know any other way to get money in business. You could borrow money. Okay, you got to pay that back. Uh, some people are good at writing proposals and going off and getting people to give them millions of dollars or something they never do. That's not my gig. <laughs> so other than that, well, if you find a way, just let me know. Matter of fact, I'll send you a check. Send you, Shay, this is how you can get money into the business without solving a problem. Let me know. I'll sign up for your program. I don't care what the price is. Count me in. I'll get a loan. Count- you got to sell right now. I promise you. If not, then build a seven-figure sales team because the answer to who don't have to be you. Over to you, Eric. I know I'm on a rant right now, but you know you took me down the rabbit hole because I'm really passionate about it. Um, it's needed. It's not about the money. It, look, if you're out there saying, Shay, you keep talking about the money, and I don't even do sales, think about this. Pastors are selling faith every single freaking week, right? Teachers, even if you're not in sales, you, you, you're going to benefit from this conversation today. Teachers are selling education every day. Parents, these two are parents. Parents every single day are selling values. You're selling your ideas. You're selling your beliefs. You're selling how you communicate every single day. The biggest sale you make to yourself. So you're like, Shay, you keep talking about money. Keep talking about money. Money is not everything. Well, I will say this. If you believe money is not everything, you haven't given enough away. 
Your first thing I said is five thousand dollars. Says like, send me the five thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> make you happy. Pay my mortgage. I'll be okay. the happiest guy you know. I'll be exactly. a happy entrepreneur. Just pay my mortgage every every month and send me and my wife on vacation. I'm cool. I'm good. So um, I will say that money will send your kids to a college of your choice. Money will allow you to retire. Money will allow you to get that health coach you want. Money will allow you to get the marketing team you want. Money will allow you to buy some of the best resources that are available to help you execute the vision you first have for yourself. Some of you have a vision for yourself. Some of you want a personal trainer. Some of you like, my wife has someone come clean the house, right? Somebody cut the grass. Personal visions. Some of you have a vision for your loved ones. My mom, who I'm blessed. God has blessed me. And my mom is someone I mentioned earlier. She, she worked. She has a pension that's more than some people make today. She retired 20 years ago. And yet, when it gets to senior care, the type of care she's in, it's like a Disney place, there's still a gap. Okay, She had long-term insurance, but you can't even buy anymore, shorty. You can't, you can't even buy it. My point to you is there's people out there that are counting on you. And if you're an entrepreneur and you want to change this community, you want to write a check for causes you believe in, then we're going to make more sales. We're going to help more people. It's not about the money. It's about the meaning. It's not about the income. It's about the impact. And you can, as my good friend Delator McNeil says, who well, I'll see tomorrow night, by the way, you can make a dollar and a difference at the same time when you serve. Selling's about service. Oh, very well said. So, you know, the theme of our show, it's about this exponential growth. So are you saying that if they apply these five principles and think about it as a team, is that what's going to help the entrepreneur achieve this exponential growth? I've got good news and I've got better news. The good news is you don't need all five. The better news is take one. Take, okay. take one, because for most of you, not for all of you, so I'm not talking to all of you. Some of you are doing just fine. But for the person that says, Shay, I didn't make another $10,000 to $20,000 of personal income in my pocket, I'm doing okay. Over and beyond whatever you're making today. Take any one. I suggest you do all five at some point. But, you know, there's a time for perfection, and there's a time for completion. So let me tell you what I mean. He'd asked me earlier, what's one of the things I got stuck at when I was a young man in Morgan State? Let me tell you what I got stuck at today. Okay, today. <laughs> I'm talking about like this year is with trying to get everything so perfect that there were some things I wanted to launch. Uh, CEO Mastery is one of them, another one, something else. And I got so caught up in it's got to be perfect. It's got to look this way. What about the audience? What about this? We've had all this training and I've got three coaches and consultants. And I, at one point I got to, you know, like, Jay, just the universe reward people who take action differently than those that don't. You've got to eat your own cooking. And I told my team, there's a time for perfection and there's a time for completion. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to just do things bad, but we're going to take it out to the market. And we'll let the market dictate what's there because I never believed in build it and they'll come. I never believe that. We've always launched something. We've sold it. I was just with Eric at another event the other day. They sold something that did not exist. So I go to the market and then I sell it and then we go create it. We build it. That's my MCI days. I'm not saying some of you, your stress level would allow you to do that. Okay. But you bring in 150 grand and we saw someone do this two, two days ago, right? 200 yes, grand, whatever the number is. You got 200 freaking thousand reasons to go get this team and thing right. So my, my point to you, Eric, is no, you don't need all five. I gave you five because you got options. But pick one that works best for where you are in your business now. Now, yes, the sales rep is probably the easiest for most of you because you can train them. You can give them a process. You can tell them what you're doing. And they can try to duplicate you. But you'd want to know your signature selling style so that you can find yourself in a better position to teach them. But yeah, any one of them will give them exponential growth. Why? 
and I'll close with this and come to you, Eric. And you said the best. I heard it the first time I heard it was from Dr. George C. Frazier, who I admire with the Power Networking Conference. I said this on one of his shows recently, but I was there, and when he told me this, and this is where success is a team sport was built from, because I told you I'm part of the Puff Daddy generation. You know, we got remix version on everything. So I'm there, and he made the point. And he made the point. He said a little different. He was like, well, one plus one equals two, right? It was very simple. He said, and that's when we work together. But when we collaborate and we work in harmony, one and one equals 11. And thus, you've got much more. And we used to call it hashtag 11. That was our deal back when hashtags were pretty cool. Hashtag 11, hashtag 11, hashtag 11. The whole idea was, you call it exponential, exponential growth. Did I say that right? Exponential. Close enough. Close enough. Okay, I went, yeah. I went to public schools. Although I went to HBC. Close enough. Exponential. That's like five syllables. That's hard for me, ladies and gentlemen. Hard. I don't know why. They could, I wish I just said increase revenue. But anyway, I'm just joking with you. I'm joking with you. But any one of those five components will give you the growth that you need immediately. Awesome. Pick which one Fantastic. Now that that what George Fravis says the one and one is yeah that's that's profound as well. Now that's awesome. So so you're the host of the Happy Entrepreneur Show. What what will people gain by tuning in or when they tune in? Sure, the Happy Entrepreneur Show was solved. I think one of the biggest problems that exist on the planet, and that is for everyday entrepreneurs to hear from other entrepreneurs what their challenges have been, what their successes have been and to get their expertise. And so it is an interview platform from entrepreneurs like myself who I bring other entrepreneurs that are there and we're asking them about their journey. And, and so what you'll gain from that is, one, people that are just like you. Sometimes as an entrepreneur, you feel like you're on an island. You're by yourself. If you don't, <laughs> maybe I'm the only one that felt that way. But I, mean, I used to be like, God, just me. Oh, gosh. I'm the only one that's trying to get a client today. I'm the only one they want to bargain with. And then I remember <laughs> I used to give stuff away. I still give, I believe in the giver's economy. The person out gives the competition, out earns the competition, right? So I used to give stuff away. That's cool. But then when I used to start charging and they would say yes, I said, oh, my God, I must have been too low. Right? And so what you'll gain on this show is you'll be able to clap decades of learning into like our Right. Because these are folks who've been there, done that ups and downs, successes. And some of them, some of them, many of them, I'll say, are where I'm at. They're still in their messy middle. Right. Um, they're not where they used to be, which is pretty cool. They're not where they want to be, but they're right in the middle. So so you're hearing from real time folks. So that's the purpose of the Happy Entrepreneur Show. Suggest you tune in. I didn't create it to give a show in one minute, Eric. Uh, the backstory of that is it was created because I used to do a sales meeting every night, at 11 o'clock at night. And then Facebook Live became something kind of cool five years ago. And I one night I said, you know what? Why don't we bring guests on? That'd be kind of cool. I ain't got to work as hard. Bring them on here. Let them talk. It'd be cool. Maybe they invite me on to their team, you know. And so we were doing to build partnerships. And people were watching. It's like they're watching your show right now because of the power of these fiber optic lines. And so that's how the happy became a show. It wasn't a show, it was just me, you know, talking to people at our team meetings. And then we turned it into a show. And, and Ted, you can, that's strategic planning, which is why you need Ted and you need Eric. Consultants come around and come on board and they, they can see the bigger picture. Like you can't see it when you're there. And they're like, no, I think this is a show. No, I'm not a show. I'm not a host. I've been trained. Like, no, under no circumstances. And yet it evolved. And it was now. Then we, then we, then we had a problem. 
Here's the, here's the problem. We wouldn't got a trademark. Doesn't that sound kind of cool? You call your attorney. Uh, we're going to trademark the Happy Entrepreneur Show. No problem, Shay Brown. I love it. Tony Moore, one of the baddest attorneys out of Philadelphia. I'm done in this. Coming to you, Eric. But I want them to hear this point. And so things are going well. As an entrepreneur, you know, things go well. You think it's going to get better. And then we get the trademark. Yay! We're excited. That's so cool. We trademark something. I own the Happy Entrepreneur Show. You can't tell me nothing, right? 11 o'clock at night, live, live, live. And then we get a call. Shay, we got a problem. If your attorney calls you or your bookkeeper calls you or your CPA, it ain't never good news. I never got a call from my attorney. It's been freaking good news. What's going on? Entrepreneur Magazine. I can tell you all this now, by the way. Uh, they want to do a cease and desist. They're going to contest the um, trademark. Can they do that? Of course they can. Say they have up to 90 days to do it. Now, for those that don't know who Entrepreneur Magazine is, they're a huge company. And they anybody that trademarks entrepreneur they try to go in and do the paper game that means they contest it you got to deal with all the attorneys i don't have no money no one's paying me for the happy entrepreneur but 70 percent of my audience i don't know if you know this eric are women and they like the happy entrepreneur and i like the happy entrepreneur and i like the show and they would call me the happy entrepreneur i'm like okay call me whatever you want you like it i love it and we had the problems we had to stop now i was willing to give up now i know don't judge me god i know you're like she's supposed to be the most motivational person i'm like nah this ain't making no sense I ain't spent no money on this. I ain't got no money to fight this for what? What? We'll change the name tomorrow. Why do I care? She said, no, Shay, it's wrong. We're not going to do this. You deserve it. You've got it. You've had it. We're going to fight this. Okay. How much is it going to cost me? Because I can't fight it. She said, let's start with the paper game. And so we played the paper game, meaning that she wrote, wrote them letters and made an argument. Here's the bottom line. Here's the point of the story. We were able to negotiate it. We were able to keep the show. The show is back. My message to you is that sometimes you're going to find yourself in a situation and you got to make that decision. We all do in life. And, and something that feels good, I was willing to give up. And I'm back to the theme here. Success is a team sport. There was someone on the team that had different perspective, different expertise, different knowledge, different skill set. And as a result, we're much better today than we were five years ago. We won. We negotiated, we signed the agreement. The agreement basically says I can't create any products, but I can own a happy entrepreneur's show. In fact, now they want to buy the domain for me. Holla at your boy, holla at your boy, holla at your boy. So if you don't see the show, <laughs> the, the price is right. I'm gone, I'm out, I'm out. They can buy me tomorrow. Um, I mean that, I can say this publicly as well, but we're not. we're in that discussion right now. My point to you, go for it. Don't do it by yourself. Don't do it alone. Get Eric Twiggs. Get Ted Fells. Get good people on your team that can guide you at the right time. And I promise you, you'll go a lot further than you ever would by yourself. Long-winded story, but I just wanted to share that backstory. No, that's great. I mean, and his, his show is fantastic. I was honored to be a guest. Um, so I actually dropped the episode from his show, The Happy Entrepreneur. It was June 19th, Five Simple Steps. To beat procrastination so go back and listen to that again from june the 19th and make sure you check out the happy entrepreneur show so now I, you, you host your own podcast but you've been on all kinds of shows you you get asked questions all the time mm -hmm. like what's one question you never get asked that you wish people would ask you uh, you know, I always talk about my mom. So no one ever asked me what lessons I've learned from my dad. Maybe because I always talk about my mom a lot, by the way. Um, so that'd be the one question. You know, what's one of the things you've uh, you've learned from your dad in throughout your journeys of life? I don't know. But then, yeah, everybody, you well, know, maybe because women, my, my mom's a woman. But they always ask my mother, dear. 
Okay. So, so what, what, what did you learn from your dad? Um, you know, if, if there's one thing, cause my father, you got to put my father in perspective, right? Here's a gentleman grew up in the, uh, born 1947. My father passed away. So y'all know May 5th, 2017, let's give you that part. Uh, we were very, very close throughout the whole journey of life. Um, but he never knew his dad, right? Uh, never, ever knew his dad and his mom would never tell him who his dad was. And then uh, she had 12, yeah, two, 13, 12 brothers and sisters who would never say who his dad was. So here's someone who never knew who his dad was, uh, then went to college and then was part of the civil rights movement and then got into politics. And his whole life was all about politics and giving back. But, but one of the things that I, that I would say I learned from my father that's really benefited me is the ability to give more than is expected. And he used to always tell my brother and I that he had to, he didn't have the college degrees to walk into rooms, uh, didn't have the letters behind his name, wasn't in any, like, you know, you guys are blessed to be in fraternities and other things. He wasn't in any of those circles, but he was always the guy that had the scrap, scrap. He used to tell us about being in baseball and not that good in baseball and not that good in basketball, but I always had to scrap and fight and push, but he always gave more than everyone expected. And, and that's, that's one of the things that I, believe that I picked up from my dad that's uh, relevant today in, in business, I didn't know this, was the ability to serve. And to serve, it's like you're serving with this great platform that you have here. You both could be spending time with your children, your kids. Um, I know, Eric, you have yours. You could be out there to track meet somewhere. Uh, Ted, you could be doing something else with your time right now. But you're here serving and sharing this message with a group of folks who you may never, ever meet. And so what I learned from my dad is when you serve, and I know it's a church principle, my dad, I just watched him do it again and again and again and again and again. When you serve and when you give, then you receive so much more. And one of the philosophies that I adopted from him that I'm done after this, but one of the philosophies I adopted him was the 70-30 rule. Now, you know, you heard the 80-20 rule. I get that. I get that. But the 70-30 the, the rule was that he would always give 70% and only expect the 30% back. So he told himself that that way he could never, ever be disappointed. And it's because some people take advantage of it. If they go below 30, he's out, he quits. But, but, and, and that kind of stuck with me. So how much more am I putting in? And I'm always looking at me first looking at them. Now, you know, do you get taken advantage of sometimes? Sure. But I, I tell you this, and it's, again, it's not just because of a church thing. I grew up in Pentecostal church, but we win more than we lose when we give. So start with the giver's economy and the giver's mentality. That's what I was learning from my dad. Mm. A 70-30 rule. 70-30 rule. Yeah. Man, Give that, 70%. That's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, come, come to the table. Give, now, if you're a business owner, I'm not saying being freaking taking advantage of it. So I don't say, oh, well, so you said I got to give seven. But I'm saying there's a lot of scenarios where you can offer your expertise, you can offer your suggestions, you can offer your advice, and you can help people out when they need it the most. Give you a quick one-minute example. There I was 10 years ago in a very bad situation personally, didn't have the money, struggling, and I'd been working with this coach for about six years. And I go to him and say, look, man, I'm going to need about 90 days. I got to see the situation. It's very public going on, and I'll be, I'll be back, uh, but can we just still kind of work together? That, I'm not blaming that person. We're still friends today. Another person like a brother. But friends said, no, can't do it. It's all business. And I respect that. I respect that. But what I did on the other side, I told myself, if I ever find myself in a situation again mm. where I can help, and I believe it's pure, I believe it's right, then I'm going to do it, right? And, and so it, the reason I tell you that 70-30 was my mentality, but now how I've evolved that, so I'm part of the remix version, 
is certain situations. I'm not saying you got to give your service away. I'm not saying that. But I have in the right situation just said, you know what? I'm going to do this for you. And I only want you to pay it for it. I'm doing it for you because I can. And I'm in a position yeah. to do it. And hopefully you'll do the same. And I believe when you pay it for it like that, when you do good things, um, good things will happen to you or your family or somebody you know. And isn't that what life is all about? We got this gift for someone else. Anyway, that's that's my rant. Back over to you, man. No, man, this is powerful stuff. So we're we're at the uh, final segment of the show. It's called Write This Down. This is where we each go around and leave, leave at least one takeaway from today's episode that the people need to write down so they can level up. So, Shay, you're the, the man of the hour. What do the people need to write down? Success is a team sport. And when you look at your business now, doesn't matter if you get the sales team together, which I'm recommended. Doesn't matter if you get your operations team together, which I'm recommending. Doesn't matter if you get your marketing team together, which I'm recommending. Doesn't matter if you get your branding team recommended or you hire the right folks you're going to partner with. You Success is a team. You can only get so far by yourself. And I'm always looking to up-level the team of folks that I work with based on their skills, their ex expertise, and their commitment to serve those that we want to serve the most. Success is a team sport. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Shay. All right, Ted. Look here, man. <laughs> I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Shay <laughs> didn't leave any meat on the bone. He didn't leave any meat on the bone. Everything that he said, man, he, man, I mean, that was some good, some good stuff, man. I mean, how do I follow behind that? Success is a team sport and, you know, all this about, you know, serving and giving back. I mean, that that's it. I mean, that, I mean that's the secret, you know, from an entrepreneur perspective, right? You're only going to, you know, uh, you know, it's all about getting that, that team of people around you, whether it's mentors, advisors. You know, you got you got to have that, right? I mean, you know, to, to, to move forward and be successful, and then you have to be able to to share, right? You got to be able to share. You know, you know, people. You know, what you know. I tell people all the time. I, I mean, I don't have any problem telling you anything that I've gone through and share. I mean, there's no need for you to go out there and you know, make the same mistakes if I went through that, you know, it's no, you know, uh, there's no secret sauce, right? I mean, it doesn't hurt me to, 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 to provide that information and with people. And, and, you know, and, 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 and it all, and like you said, it all comes back, all comes back, man. I mean, I've, you know, I've uh, watched a pastor of my, uh, who's a pastor was a real good friend of mine and Eric and, you know, I used to watch, we'd go out to eat and then he'd see, you know, these senior couples that are there. And then he'd just go to the, to the server and say, can you take care of, you know, put theirs on my bill, but never would say that, you know, it was something that, that he was doing. And we'd sit there and watch those people look around and we'd be walking out the door. And I mean, I thought that was the coolest thing, hmm. you know, and I looked at that and I, so I started doing it. I just started doing it. And and I remember I'd go to certain, you know, restaurants, whatever, and I'd, you know, pay for different people. And, you know, in this one particular establishment I used to go to, I did it all the time. And, 
you know, and people go to me, who, who did, who did? And the one guy, the, the man said, yeah, that guy, he does it all the time for people. He does it often. And then the person came up to me and she was just talking about how she had a, she had a, there was someone at her church that had recently had, you know, all his legs amputated. Mm-hmm. And she was coming, she was coming there in order to pick up lunch for him. And then, and then because of, you know, what I did that was able to kind of stretch her money. I was like, man, God, wow. You know, I mean, just some of those situations and you just, you just do, right. You just do. And then, but then you come back and there's been times when I've been in situations in business and like, man, I got this situation and how am I going to deal with this? Like who, like, who's going to, you know, come for me when I need this help. And I'll tell you every time, it's just a blessing, guys. Someone came to me that was someone, it wasn't the person that I paid the meal for, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't the person that I pulled to the side and had a conversation about business. It was just someone that just came to me and poured, uh, you know, poured into my situation. So I think, uh, you know, what I'm going to say here is that, you know, you, you, if you, you pour into others, I mean, it'll, it'll come back to you. You know, so just, yeah, write that down. Just continue to pour into others and help others out and, you know, and, and good things will, will come. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. I, mine is on a similar thing and I've, I actually, I've never shared this publicly. Right. So mm-hmm. my wife and I, when we moved into, we moved into our house and the people that were selling us the house, part of it, they were going to live there for for a period of time and we were charging them prorated rent right because they were living in our house and you know i'm the business person i'm like okay i'm gonna collect this rent we're gonna keep it moving right business and so my wife just kept saying eric you know what let's just give it to them we're not, we're not gonna charge them rent it was, it was kind of it was an older couple they were moving they were downsizing and i'm like no 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 this is business we gotta collect the money and she kept saying no no let, let's just I'm, I'm saying we should just give it to them the final, okay, okay, right, fine, we'll do it. And so they went to give us the prorated money, and we and we were like, nope, you can keep it. And literally, they burst out in tears. Mm. We were like, oh my god, we were trying to figure out how we were going to make ends. Oh my, this is this is such a blessing. Oh my goodness, and I got, I'm getting emotional thinking about it now. And so, and so, fun, the funny thing is that we did that, and, and then like a few weeks later, we got a housewarming gift. That was almost to the penny, the amount that we gave her. Wow. Mm, wow. I mean, that, that just shows you. I mean, you, you do, it, it does help when you, when you give. Yeah. Right? When you pay it for it, you get it back. And it may not be monetary, it, it, you, but you will get it back one way or another. So write that down. When you pay it for it, you will get it back one way or another. Wow. All like right. That. Shay, that this this has been fantastic. How can the people connect with you? Yeah, so the number way the folks connect with me is uh, you can go over to my website www.easysaleshub. That's pretty easy. www.easysaleshub. So you can read all about what we do and how we serve. Uh, for those folks that can see me, but I can't see you. You're like Shay. I want you to see me. I want you to know what I'm up to. You can go over to Instagram. I think you can look right below there. Is my Instagram handle. Let's go to at I am Brown on Instagram. If Instagram's still around, let's go to IG. 
and type in at I am Shay Brown. And when you connect with me, send me a little message. Just, just put 30 minute hours, put 30 minute hours. So I know it's you. And then I'll get a chance to go see what you're up to. Isn't that kind of cool? So, so it doesn't have to be just one way. I'm going to take time because I know statistically speaking, all y'all not going to do it, but you can. And we can start the 30 minute podcast and we can build a co connection. You haven't connected with obviously Ted and Eric do that as well. But for me, just go to at I am Shay Brown. Find me on Instagram, see what I'm up to. And I want to see what you're up to too. What you doing? Don't just send me your business page. I can go find that. But I want to know about you, the person that you are. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Shay Brown, thank you for sharing everything that thank you, you shared. Thank you, Eric, and thank you, Ted, for having me here. I appreciate both of you. Appreciate your work you're doing. Right. Um, you both have a heart to give. You both have a heart to serve, and you are serving by having this platform. So everyone is watching. Continue to tune in uh, to the 30-minute hour, which is kind of strange, right? I, when I said 30-minute hour, wait, 30-minute hour. This should be interesting. Um, but I love the name. I love what it represents, and I love the work you're doing. So keep doing God's work, brothers. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Shay. And for everybody, don't forget to share the show. Share the show. You heard what Shay said. Share the show. Share the show. That's right. Don't, don't keep this episode a secret. Don't forget you can go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. That's our time for this week. And until next time, have a great Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30-Minute Hour Podcast. We need your help to grow the show. One of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review. We've got a bonus that we're running for this month, a special bonus that if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it to eric at ericmpwiggs dot com, you get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. And then lastly, don't forget to share the show. That's right, share the show. Share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message. Again, I thank you for listening. And remember, don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. So keep growing, keep growing, keep growing.